0: Well, good morning. I'm taking those off. The glare was too bad. I did recently find out that I needed them, though, which I guess is that the indication that you're getting older? No? Those of you who are wearing glasses did not answer um, because I guess you didn't want to claim that on yourself. No, um, I'm pleased to be here today. Um, I'm Daniel, um, as Pastor Blake. Um, said just a moment ago. Um, the last time I was here was about a year and a half ago, and I was still in seminary. And I came because I asked Blake, "I have this class I have to do, and I have to preach, and um, I need somewhere to go, and I can't find anywhere. Um, so, will you graciously and willingly come and let me speak?" And he said, "Absolutely." So I came. And I spoke, and then he actually let me come back. So I think it went okay last time. Um, this time though, um, I don't have a grade to get, and so I'm just gonna say whatever I want to, okay? <laughs> um, that way, that way um, I'm, the, the pressure is off of me. Um, but no, it is a pleasure to be here. A year and a half has gone by, and a lot has changed um, in, in my life and my family's life the past year. Um we do have a three year old um, his name is Owen and he was here um, last time um, we uh, we came he was about a year and a half then which is really cool um, and it's it's great to see that he has grown up a lot um, Right now he's in the nursery, and I don't know if it's okay over there with them um, because he was not happy to be left, just so y'all know. So blessings on the preschool ministry right now. But then we also um, welcomed this one into the world about uh, four and a half months ago. Um, his name is Watson, um, and he um, that's his personality, um, except for about seven o'clock at night, and then it's not happy. Um, he he is usually happy— His favorite person in the house is his brother, Owen. Um, Anytime Owen's around, it's all smiles and all giggles, and it's it's always a good time. And so there's been a lot going on in our world over the past year and a half, and I'll actually even um, get a little bit more to our story in just a little bit. Um, but it is a pleasure, like I said, to come, especially to um, follow um, the past few folks who have come to speak. Um, Blake was here about three weeks ago. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen him since he's been gone. Um, I did talk to him this morning, um, and he, he said that he's praying for, for everyone um, this morning, so it's good that he's, he's doing well and he's away. Um, but last time he was here, um, he spoke on uh, John chapter 9, and just um, as you guys have been following through John chapter 9, and then Seth spoke a few weeks ago, um, and he He talked um, specifically just about how um, through our transformed lives, um, we can serve um, a God who is faithful and serve a God who is strong, um, and we should focus our lives on serving God. But then last week, um, I think Dr. Ron Madison came, um, who, by the way, he baptized me, um, which um, was—that's just a real, real special thing. But then he also— I I had to do this. Um, Last week he pointed out some young people on the front row. Those were my parents. Um, (laughs) um, And he said, I I think he said it more graciously that they're not as young anymore, Um, but I didn't think he knew too that I'd be coming to speak the week after he did. Um, But um, he focused on Acts and talking about how we should embrace the gospel as the church and what the church is doing today. Um, But I wanted to Um, focus specifically on something that um, the Lord has laid on my heart, just as the people um, before me. Um, And that's the topic of peace. Um, And I think it's so timely, specifically with everything that's happened already this morning through the choice of music. And that's probably been planned for weeks um, um, even, and I turned in my sermon stuff on Thursday afternoon about five o'clock, and so I know for a fact that they didn't plan anything accordingly, and so I think it's just neat how the Lord um, takes what's laid on the heart, and he, and he puts it in different people and connects it all together, and so I hope that you guys see that this morning, but we are going to focus on peace, and so before I dive into Scripture and before you guys jump in with me, um, would you be um, willing to pray with me? Let's pray. God, thank you for today, and thank you for your goodness. And God, I pray, Father, that as we open up your word, that you will allow our, our ears to listen, that you will all allow our minds to dwell on you, but then more importantly, God, that you will allow our hearts to be changed um, as we hear your word today. So come and move um, and um, allow us as your servants to listen. We love you too. In your name I pray. Amen. So this word peace, you can probably think to yourself all these different things that can flood in your mind. Some of you, you're already probably thinking about lunch and you're thinking, well, I need a piece of cake after this sermon. Um, I'm one of them. I'm a little hungry right now. Um, but that's not the peace we're talking about. We're talking about a peace that um, specifically only comes from the Lord. Now, peace is one of those things that we hear often, um, whether it's in the news, whether it's in our homes, um, whether it's um, even here at church. We hear this, this word peace all the time. Now, my friends, Merriam-Webster, defines peace as um, something that comes without disturbance. So there's, it's, we're free of disturbance, okay? But then there's also this period in which there is no conflict. So, the dictionary defines peace as a period of time, okay? A period of time. And we're gonna we're gonna look at the difference between what the world sees as peace versus what the Bible sees as peace. But peace is, like I said, is talked about all the time. We hear about it so often on the news. We hear it so often in our, in our circle of friends, and trying to find this freedom of disturbance trying to find this, this, this time period where there's no conflict. You know, I remember when I was a kid, the biggest, I think, um, military conflict that came was when 9-11 happened. That's the, that's the one thing that comes to my mind when I think about conflict, when I think about disorder, when I think about there's chaos around me. I remember having friends who had family up in New York I had friends who had family members leaving to go overseas. And everything was not in order. And you can probably think in your lifetime, well, there's something like that too. I can think of a war. I can think of a conflict. I can think of even, to bring it back home, a time where my family was not okay, where there was conflict, where there was strife, where there were hardships. And we did all that we could to strive and seek this Peace. This freedom of the servants, this calmness, where everything had left away. You see, our world loves this idea of peace so much that they developed this organization, this organization, to try and, and measure peace to create peace. It's called the Institute for Economics and Peace. And annually, they put out something called the the uh, the GPI. Has anybody ever heard of the the um, the Global Peace Index? Anybody? Well, I have recently found out about it myself. And if you are interested in going and looking and seeing what it's all about, you can go to visionofhumanity.org and figure out some of this information. But specifically, this. This um, multicultural, um, many different countries brought together. This is an institute, an organization that is designed to measure peace in three major categories around the world. Okay? The first one is societal safety and security. So, how does society deem their safety? Do you feel safe? Do you feel secure? A lot of us, would probably say yes. I mean, right now, okay, I feel safe and secure, all right? Um, the next one is the extent on, of ongoing domestic and international conflict within the country. Okay, we'll see how is our world doing in the conflict? But also, how are we doing here at home with conflict? So that's one thing they measure. And the other one is the degree of militarism. How much money do you spend towards your military? How often is your military deployed? All sorts of things. And they take these three big major categories, and they, and they break it down into 23 subcategories, and they determine the most peaceful countries in the world and the least peaceful countries in the world. Now, in it, they have studied 99.7% of the world's population, and that equates to 163 countries. So there's a small portion of the population that's not measured, probably because they don't have um, stable enough economies or, or they don't have leaders there to help them measure or pooled in. But it's interesting to see, it's interesting to see that they claim that here in 2019, that for the first time in five years, five years, excuse me, The Global Peace Initiative has determined that, in the first time in five years, that peacefulness has actually improved in the last five years. However, it did say, but the world continues to be less peaceful than a decade ago. You think about ten years ago, what were you doing ten years ago, and think about the state of the world in that time period. But they said that it's improved. All right. Now, I don't. You're probably thinking, I was like, well, where does the U.S. fall on that scale? Well, out of a hundred. In 63 countries, the top in 2019 is Iceland. I don't know, it's because nobody lives there. So it makes it more peaceful. I mean, the penguins aren't really in conflict, I guess. Um, But no, in 2009, Iceland is the most most peaceful. So if you want to go for a nice, serene trip anywhere, go to Iceland. Okay. Um, The least peaceful um, is Afghanistan with Syria right behind it. Now, I don't know if that's going to change right now in the way that our political atmosphere is rolling, but as of right now, it's Afghanistan. And in those, the United States falls out of 163 countries at 128. Now, you're thinking, well, I'm pretty peaceful. I mean, the world around me is pretty peaceful. Well, not according to these researchers, these professionals. And truthfully, if you look at it, there is really conflict all around. We just do a little bit better job of saving face and hiding it. I mean, I would actually even venture to say that even in this room right now, that there's, there's some chaos in your life. Because this global peace index measures worldly, worldly standards. But if we get down to the nitty gritty, if we get down to each and every single individual person, I'm not trying to measure my peace off the basis of militarism in my own life. I'm trying to measure peace with possibly maybe the way that my family is doing. Is my wife okay? Are my kids okay? Is everything at my job stable? Is that secure? At school? Am I okay with all the friends that I'm coming in contact with? Are my grades doing okay? You see, we could measure it differently specifically in our own lives, not necessarily how this organization does it, but there's probably some chaos going on in this world in in this room right now. So how do we, as Christ's followers, As the church, how should we measure peace? Well, I can tell you flat out it's not by the world's standards. You see, the world measures peace and they create peace or they define peace with change of circumstance. You see, the world will take on peace. To change the circumstances. You see, for the world, peace is always fleeting, and it's always changing. And even the Lord addressed that in Micah chapter 3 verse 5. It says, this is what the Lord says, as for the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace if they have something to eat, but prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. So they said, we'll only have peace if X happens. If not, it's gone and it's fleeting and it will change with my circumstance. For us, we could look at it and say, okay, well, in my life, this relationship that I have with my husband or my wife, maybe it'll change if our circumstances change. Maybe it'll change if if we just leave each other, if we just quit, maybe it'll change if you fill in the blank. See, that's worldly peace, because in that, that peace is always fleeting and it's always changing with our circumstances. But even too, worldly peace is also looks at, and it says that it'll always settle with compromise. Every situation that the world looks at is it will settle with compromising. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 12, the Lord told the Israelites, He says, Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you're going, or there will be a snare among you. He says, You're about to go into this land that I've promised, and there's gonna be people there. Well, don't compromise with them. I've given you some very specific instructions on in how to handle them, but if you compromise, if you go away from my, my instructions and you, and you go to them just to create order and to create peace, then something bad is going to happen. It says that there will be a snare among you, and that's exactly what happened with the Israelites. They bought into this worldly peace that they settled with compromise because they didn't trust the Lord's standards for their life. And if you know the Israelite story, there was chaos all throughout the Old Testament. There was this unending cycle of good times and prosperity and turning away from the Lord and destruction and then it kept going and going and going all because they compromised. Well, What about us in 2019? How often do we compromise to create peace? I did it yesterday with my three-year-old. We went to uh, Tate Farms yesterday. Some of you may have gone, Um, but we went in the morning time. um, And yes, it rained on us, but it was the most fun. My son, Owen, we were running to the corn maze, or not the corn maze, the the maze, and he was just running. He was just running, and he looked at me and said, Daddy, this is crazy. And I was like, We're just running across the field. But he had the best time. But we were about to get ready to leave. And he wanted to go slide one more time. And he looks at me and he said, we go slide one more time? And I said, we can do it. We can do it two times. He looked at me, he said, we can do it five times. (laughs) And I said, no, we can do it two times. He said, five times. I said, well, how about we do it one time? And he looked at me, thought about it, and he said, three times? (laughs) And finally, I said, Okay, let's do it three times. And I compromised with my kid because I knew, and some of you parents, you know too, kids are over here thinking like, don't parent to me. And they're like, oh, you—it's like I do it with them all the time, right? But you do it with your parents too, don't you? Yes. Okay. They did this. Maybe they were scared because they didn't want to get in trouble. But we do it all the time. Just because we don't want chaos to happen We compromise in our jobs. We settle to keep the peace, to keep order so that everything is okay. But just as we talked about, that's gonna be fleeting. That's gonna change, especially as our circumstances change. But then also worldly peace, it fails to see the root of the problem. Now the root of the problem is is sin in the world in Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 it says there's a way that appears to be right but an end leads to leads to death you see the world will see that okay well maybe we can fix this problem momentarily and everything will be okay but yes it is fleeting it does change compromise can even come and and happen but the root of the problem is always going to be there and the reason why I know is because peacefulness comes and goes. Wars continue to happen, strife continues to happen. And as the world sees it, they're never going to see the root of the problem. But as believers, from a biblical perspective of what peace is is it's totally different. You see, biblical peace is permanent. And it's secure. In John chapter 14, verse 27, it says, At peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Jesus said that his peace that he gives is different than the world's. So why would we want to settle for anything less than what the Lord has for us. If he says that the peace that I want to give you as a believer is different than the way that the world gives, then why would we not hold on to that truth? But instead, we allow the peace in our hearts to change with our circumstance. We allow the peace in our hearts to come and go, to compromise, and to not handle the real issue. But Jesus says, I want to give you peace. It's not like the world gives. It's not fleeting. It's not changing. It's secure. And you can hold to it. But then also, biblical peace is built on the foundation of the word. We just read what Jesus said. Those are his words. And in those words, we can find life In Psalm 18, verse 29 through 31, it says, with your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale any wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord and who is the rock except our God? Right there, he tells us that what he speaks into us and says for us is perfect. It's flawless. So what he claims should be what we have as our standard. Whatever Jesus says should be the standard that we live by. Not as the world gives, but as he gives. And he gives us more than we could ever ask or imagine. So, why would we settle? But then, lastly, biblical peace holds Jesus as the solution to the root of the problem. The world doesn't see that problem, but Jesus addressed it. And as Christ followers, we should see it too. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says that he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness because by his wounds you have been healed. Jesus becomes the solution to our problem by dying on the cross for us. But not only dying, but raising to life to conquer that which is the problem. And you might already be thinking, we've already talked about it, that the problem is sin. So, how do we do? What do we do with that? How do we respond to that? Well, I think it's very appropriate that we respond with the way that Jesus spoke to his disciples. How he talked with them In the upper room. In John chapter 16, starting verse 25, that's where we're going to be today. So if you want to flip over there. And before we get started, I just do want to say one more thing. That in our passage today, the state in which the soul is assured of its salvation and is content with this earthly lot is the peace that we'll be talking about today. So I think it's neat that even our soloists and our trios and and that kind of stuff, we talked about that that assurance of our salvation. We talked about our earthly lot and contentment. Well, that's what biblical peace is all about. Because you see that in the human heart, where there is no acknowledgement of God, there cannot be peace. Let me say that again. In the human heart, where there is no acknowledgement of God, there cannot be peace. Simply put, no God, no peace. Got it? All right. John chapter 16. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples in the upper room. Um, he, they've already had this meal, and he's talking with them. Judas has already left. He's already gone to betray him. But then Jesus continues to encourage his disciples with the Holy Spirit, with godly living, and all sorts of things. And then he comes to 16, near the end of his time with his disciples. And this is what he says, starting in verse 25. He says, I've spoken these things to you in figures of speech. At a a time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. On that day, you will ask in my name, and I am not telling you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into this world. Again, I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Look, now you're speaking plainly and not using any figurative language. Now we know that you know everything and don't need anyone to question you. By this, we believe that you came from God. Well, Jesus responded to them, Do you now believe? Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the father is with me i have told you these things so that in you excuse me in me you may have peace you will have suffering in this world be courageous i have conquered the world so right there jesus addresses a couple of different things okay the first major thing that i want us to make sure that we know is that he is addressing peace right here okay he wraps it up and this whole um, this whole little passage to say that I'm leaving you with a peace that only comes from me, so please trust it. He actually even indicates, indicates that there was a battle that's about to be won for that peace. He says, I've conquered the world. So he understands that there's about to be a very, very strong battle to take place. And what is that battle? It's the battle for humanity, It's the battle for our souls because of what sin has done. And so he says, I'm about to go to battle. I'm about to do it for you so that you can have peace. Okay? But also I do want you to understand too that he is specifically speaking to his disciples. So everything that he has then claimed to them, when he says, hey, the Holy Spirit's gonna come to you, he didn't say that the Holy Spirit's coming to every single person on earth. He said the Holy Spirit's coming to those of you who know me, who believe in me, who have chosen to follow me, okay? So when we break down this passage in a second, I want you to track with me by knowing that he's specifically speaking to disciples, to followers of Christ, okay? So Jesus takes the time to point out some very pertinent things for his disciples directly related to what he wants to give him to give them, and that's peace. The first one is this, is that all that seemed hard to understand while he was here on earth will be made clear when he is gone and that the Holy Spirit comes. How neat is it that God actually promised them that whenever he leaves this earth, and not just them, all those who believe, that whenever he left this earth, Whenever his earthly ministry is over, that they would understand the ministry of God better. Think about that. Jesus had walked and talked with them, he had ministered to them. And then he tells them, When I leave, you're going to know the ministry of God better than ever. And you think, Well, that doesn't make any sense. The teacher is there. He's providing all the information and all the answers. Well, Jesus points it out and he says, but hey, here's the thing. I'm gonna speak directly to you. The God, that God's gonna speak directly to you through my spirit. It's not gonna have to come to me and then come from me to you. No, he's gonna speak directly to you. And in that ministry, you can know and believe everything that he tells you. I know that too because of what the Apostle Paul says. In Galatians chapter 5, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he says that through the Spirit, we can have love, joy, and peace, and patience, kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Because apart from things, these things, there is there is no law. He says that if you have the spirit inside of you, you have these qualities to express so that you can live in the manner that God has for you. Think about it this way. He even says that the freedom of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. If you know Christ, if you know him, He has already given you the peace that passes understanding. We are just choosing not to trust it. Love is the same way. Joy is the same way. Patience, self-control, all those things are gifts of the Spirit. And if we have the Spirit of Christ living inside of us, meaning if you know Him, if you have a relationship with Him, if you are a born-again believer, then you have the Spirit of God in you And you have all that you need for a life of righteousness and godliness. That includes peace. Not as the world gives, but as Jesus has given. And so for us, we see in this passage that if I truly want to know peace, then I truly need to know Jesus. I need to have him in my life. I need to know him in my life so that whatever comes my way, I can be rest assured that my peace is safe, it's secure, and it's unshakable. He goes on to say too, that suffering will come to every believer whose name belongs to him. He said, I've told you these things that in me you may have peace because you will have suffering in this world. Now, there's something to point out right here is that he's not right here specifically talking directly about sin. No, what he's talking about is these, these disciples, what's gonna happen in their life. If they, if they follow in, in the footsteps that they've claimed to, suffering is gonna come to them. There's gonna be persecution. There's going, to be, there's going to be grief. There's going to be hardships for them as they follow God. The apostle Paul even said it too in 2 Corinthians. And I think it's neat how Paul, connected what Jesus even said here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If I can find it. Mm. Somebody changed the pages in my scriptures. Just kidding. Um, In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 9 and 10. And it'll be up on the screen if you would like to read it. It says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected In weakness, therefore I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in my weakness, in insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The apostle Paul talks directly about what Jesus was claiming, that sufferings are gonna come. Because right here too, he's even talking about the believers in Corinth. He tells them, there's hardships coming. There's difficulties coming. There's calamities coming. There's stuff that's coming and may have already come in your life. But please know that in that, that's when we see the perfection of what God did even the most. I don't know about you, but maybe it's hard sometimes to see to see and to, to feel and believe all that God's doing in and through my life when times are good. I'm I'm humbly saying to you right now that there are moments in my life when everything is good, that I'm I'm okay with the state of everything that's in that even sometimes I forget about God and his work at hand in all those circumstances but it's when those difficulties come that we see the true measure of where our heart belongs. Is that if those calamities, those strifes, those those hard times come, when we turn or who we turn to, that's really where our heart belongs. And Paul and Jesus encouraged all believers, he says that when these times come, when those difficulties come, please take heart please be strong because because remember I've conquered the world when you're weak my strength will be yours we experienced that i say we me and my wife and even my family experienced some great difficulties and hardships even this past year there were moments where i doubted there were moments where I was angry. There were moments where I was content. So this past year has been just a, an emotional roller coaster for every single one of us. And just to fill you in in our story is that I showed you a, a picture of Owen um, earlier today this morning. and you could see as he was happy as he could be. but right after is really right after I, I preached here back in May of 2018 that something happened in Owen's life. I just saw that photo. <laughs> it was gonna get me. <laughs> that something happened in Owen's life that we were not expecting, that rocked us, that we, we were unsure about for the longest, longest time. In about June of 2018, Owen started having some health complications. And at first they were very subtle. And we were like, that was weird. We thought to ourselves, we'd never been a parent before, so we're like, is that normal? Because, you know, kids are weird and they do weird things. (laughs) But slowly and surely things continued to happen with Owen. And we weren't sure what was going on. And we knew as parents that something wasn't right, but doctors continued to tell us, no, what's happening is normal and he'll grow out of it. And those of you who aren't parents, you don't necessarily know this right now, but parents have this unique um, ability to determine when something's wrong, when something really isn't right. And that's why I could never lie as a kid because my mom always knew something was wrong or I'd done something wrong, okay? But I got that now that I'm a parent. And we knew that something wasn't right, so we kept pushing doctors. and said, doctors, what's wrong with our kid? What's wrong with our kid? What's wrong with our kid? And we finally found somebody who would do some some tests and some scans on him. And they found um, a tumor in Owen's left temporal lobe. And that tumor was causing um, his quality of life to change. He wasn't necessarily in danger, but he was having seizures regularly. And as a parent, to sit back helplessly and watch, knowing that you can't do anything for your kid, that wrecks you. And you can imagine that as a believer, I began to question what God was doing. So why would you do that to my kid? Why would you put him through that pain and let me just watch helplessly off to the side? How could you do that? It's very humbly when God spoke to my heart. And he said, I understand that completely. I watched helplessly as my son suffered for you. So that your quality of life could be perfect. So that I could be eternally with him. And so, yes, the Lord granted us peace and understanding through that. But as you can see, that when you look at your kid in the hospital bed, it's tough. But through modern day medicine and really cool stuff, they were able to heal Owen. So they cut his head open. And I apologize if you're squeamish. (laughs) Good thing we haven't eaten lunch yet. Um, But they cut him open and they closed him back up. And the really cool thing is that Owen responded brilliantly. They gave us about a week to go home. We went home in two days. He had major brain surgery, people. And two days later, he was home Playing the guitar. Um, He has since broken that guitar. Um, (laughs) uh, He um, he does love to play music. Um, He's actually really talented at it, very surprisingly. He plays a song for his brother every night before he goes to bed. And the other night, we laid him down and he went in there and played him a song and then he left and Lara went in there and Watts was asleep. I was like, I'm done doing bed night stories and that kind of stuff. Just send my kid in there. But Owen's doing great. He's better than we could ever have hoped or imagined. This past year, he started soccer, and he loved it. That is actually um, not an accurate representation of him playing soccer. The next photo is. But you can imagine, well, yes, we've got that joy now. We have that love now, and we get to see it. But you can imagine, in the midst of it all, we were not at peace. We were angry. We were devastated. We questioned so, so much. But in the midst of it all, as I shared with you already, that God spoke loudly to us. And we came to the conclusion that whatever happens to Owen, hard or not, that we will trust the peace that surpasses all understanding and we will be content with whatever may come. The Lord took Owen through all of that and he is okay now. We do ask that you continue to pray for him because we have tests and doctors visits and all that coming up from a one-year follow-up. But as far as we're concerned, that our God showed up and showed out far more than we would have asked or imagined. He has granted us a peace that only comes from him. Now, whether or not Owen's life Wouldn't have been spared through surgery. Wouldn't have happened. I don't know. But all I want to fall back on is what we, me and my wife talked about. And we said that whatever comes our way, we will still worship the one who has given us the peace that we need. Notice earlier I talked to you guys about how peace is a contentment with your earthly lot, a holy contentment. That doesn't mean that the storm isn't raging around you. That means that in the midst of it, that you are grounded and you are secure. You may not know what's around the bend. You may not know what's around the corner, but as the God of peace goes with you and he has promised to go with us, that you can trust whatever comes your way. For those of you who right now are struggling with your marriage, I wanna tell you today that no, it's not always easy. And you may not know what's around the corner. But as a believer, I know and I believe that God is with you. And whatever comes your way, his love and his peace is with you. For those of you who are struggling at work, who can't seem to catch a break, please know that the God of peace is with you and he will give you what you need to get through this calamity, to get through this hardship, as you know and love and trust him better. I don't know what's going on in your life and in your world, but I know personally the God who created you and that he has so much more in store for you than than leaning on the lies of the enemy in the midst of your chaos. He wants you to trust in him because you see, yes, Jesus specifically says to his disciples that things will be made clear. They will. And it's necessary for the spirit to come, but I also want you to know that the victory is already mine. Mine. And it's already been accomplished. And death and evil as a whole has been defeated. There's chaos in this world because of because of the root of that problem and that's sin. I told you guys about the Global Peace Index and how it measures all that peace and how it longs for peace. It's because creation wasn't meant to be in disorder. Every person on this earth, every catastrophe that takes place, that was not how this world was intended. So it's no wonder we try our hardest to try to fix it. But that's just it. We cannot fix it. There's only one who can. And there's one who has. And that's Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 57, it says this. It says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus claims that we can have victory over any chaotic thing, any hardship, any, anything that may come our way in life because of what he did on the cross. Now, does that mean that our circumstances will go away? Not necessarily. Does that mean that the hardships that we face will will be spared from them? Not all the time. But God does promise us that the victory is ours in Christ Jesus, and we can give thanks to him for that. But the question is, can you have the peace that Jesus is talking about? And the answer is yes. If you know him and have already aligned your heart with him, it's already yours. We just have to trust him in it. But if you have not trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you do not have a relationship with him, then the Bible is very clear that chaos is still ours and we do not have peace. The victory in Christ Jesus is not ours. We can have it, but it's not ours. You see, yes, where there is no acknowledgement of God, There cannot be peace, but where the heart has shed its sin and let God's healing love come in, there is a peace that no power can overcome. Simply put it, if you know peace, then you know peace. Apart from God, there is no peace. But if you know God, you can know peace. So some of you today, you may be thinking, well, there's just chaos in my life and I need that peace. Well, the neat thing is that it can be yours today. Some of you have, may have never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you wanna know the peace that can only heal that sin that keeps you away from him. Well, today you can know him but even some of you in this, this world, you do know him, but there's some, just some chaos in your life and, and you're not trusting the peace that God has given each and every single one of you, then I would encourage you to talk with him about that because he wants to listen. He cares what you have to say. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna ask the music team to go ahead and come back up. And down here, down front, there's gonna be some staff, some team members here who are going to be willing to, to talk with you. Or maybe even you just need to do some talking to the Lord yourself. You can do that right there. You can come kneel at the altar, whatever it may look like. But I want each and every single one of you to, to know today. If there's no God in your life, then there is no peace. But if you do know God in your life, then you already know the peace that surpasses understanding. And I hope and I pray that you live in that today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for the peace that surpasses all understanding. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to to know it, to believe it, to stand firm in it and i pray over each and every single person in this room right now god whatever chaos whatever anxiety whatever storm that they're walking through right now i pray father that they will understand that you are with them and they can know the peace that surpasses understanding that they don't have to compromise they don't have to 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 have those circumstances change to know what peace is because you are the peace. You are peace. That is who you are. We don't have to know chaos. We don't have to know those things. Those don't have to be a part of our life because of what you've done. But also pray for those individuals in here that do not know you, who do not have a relationship with you. God, I pray, Father, that they understand today that you made the one who did not know sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God through him. They can know peace by knowing you. And so God, I pray that as we worship you, as we respond to you, that you will speak loudly in the quietness of our hearts. You're good. We love you too your name I pray. Amen.